0: Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what we learned from the AWS outage. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving in 2020, AWS had an interesting outage that we want to investigate a little bit more. And AWS has been very open on what's happened. They published their uh, service logs so you could see everything that's happened. So on November 25th at 2020 at 3 47 AM Pacific time, they were updating the East uh, region and, uh, All they were really doing was just adding a little bit more capacity to one of their services. So adding more um, servers, storage, network, you know, what you would normally do when you're starting to run near capacity. So they're going to add a relatively small number of servers to the Kinesis service. Now, Kinesis is an interesting service. It's a service that does pattern matching on log files, on video files. So it's an AI service. It's a very um useful a i service that a lot of people use and um um about oh an hour and a half into upgrading these servers, alarms began firing, and errors became coming up uh with uh, kinesis the kinesis records and um it took them until almost eight a m in the morning to find out uh what root cause. Uh, caused it and the root cause here was actually uh, very interesting the first but what they found uh, Kinesis has uh, several different smaller services a group of front-end services and back-end services and they were upgrading the back-end services with a larger server pool and in that server pool as I added more capacity more servers the front end of the way it's architected For each server on the back end, it would spawn a new thread to communicate um, to the back end, the front end to the back end, which is a very common way of architecting a system like that. Anytime a new um, back end service is up and running, a thread fires off on the front end. Well, one of the problems was was that the front end fleet of services and the OS that they were running on was configured to handle only a certain number of threads. Once I hit that uh, number of thread threshold, then the front end began to fall over. Um, they figured out that uh, real quick, <laughs> uh, made some updates to some OS, um, a temporary fix, and Kinesis was back online by about 10:30 p.m. later that night. So we're talking an outage that was substantial, almost uh, 18 hours. Um, it took that long to recuperate. Now, some of the things that they did uh, to recuperate um from Kinesi's falling over was to move the back end to larger servers, which decreased the number of uh, front end threads that needed spun off. Um, I know they're making additional changes to the architecture, so it's a little bit smarter about um spinning off threads and and things like that patches to the OS, uh, configs, things like that, or some other things. Um, too. The thing, everything was back to normal um, approximately at 1 a.m. Pacific time. So we're talking a good um, 21 hours that um, Kinesis was not fully operational. And you'd say, okay, Kinesis, an AI tool, um, you know, not everyone uses it, Um but it's what uses Kinesis, and this is where uh, things uh, the impact of Kinesis going down is what I really want to talk about. So if we look at everything that Kinesis that uses Kinesis, uh, there are several other um, Amazon services um, that use Kinesis. For example, Amazon Cognito is tightly coupled uh, with Kinesis, and it was overloaded until about 2 pm. Uh, Pacific time on that first day, uh, so Amazon Cognito was down. CloudWatch tightly coupled um, with Kinesis, because Kinesis goes through logs, determines what alerts are in those logs, and then mo- and notifies CloudWatch. Well, CloudWatch was no longer getting um, information, and um, but CloudWatch is is architected uh, pretty well, so. Um, they had a way of, uh, in the architecture of running disconnected, but not for you know 20 hours, running disconnected for a half hour or an hour or something. So some of the buffers in CloudWatch started overflowing. So CloudWatch was down until two, 10 p.m. Um, that night. Um, another interesting thing with CloudWatch, there are a lot of services that depend on CloudWatch. So with CloudWatch down until 10 p.m., that also affected auto-scaling policies. Um, It affected Lambda, which is, you know, Amazon, one of Amazon's premier services for function as a service. Um, The event bridge was down. Um, Even their container ecosystem um, with ECS, EKS, uh, were down during this time until around 4 o'clock p.m., on that first day um so you can see kind of the cascading effect that one service had on several of the other services now this was only in the east region that the um uh outage happened and um but what's interesting about that is they learned from what they learned in that east region with it going down and they went through and they made some changes to the other regions so kinesis would not Um, fall over in those regions they added capacity so Mm -hmm. they changed the size of the machine so they can handle more uh, for the back end of Kinesis and things like that but if you were a user in the east region you normally rely on um, some really important tools to tell you the health of your infrastructure and the services running in that infrastructure one is the health dashboard and then your personal health dashboard and and this ended up being a problem because the service dashboard and the personal service dashboards were not getting information anymore. So it was showing everything is green. So if your uh, services were down, a lot of IT shops were investigating, why is my stuff not working? Because I look at the dashboard, everything's working fine. So they were getting false positives. Uh, So there were a lot of IT organizations that went through and were looking at their own logs and then helping investigate what really happened. So it was kind of a wild goose chase for um, some of those IT organizations because they weren't getting the right information. Uh, So um, I've been very, very um, surprised at how open AWS has been about this whole, whole thing. Like I said, you can go out and take a look at all their logs, um, all their service texts and what they did to overcome this. It's a great learning experience. So let's take a look at some of the lessons learned um, that Amazon learned and that we can learn uh, from going through this ourselves. So one of the first lessons um, that we learned here was that simple operations to infrastructure, like increasing capacity, um, need to be understood and planned out. Now, I'm not saying the AWS just did this off the cuff. They obviously didn't, but um, they didn't fully understand what the impact of this would be. So um, even though we have done things like this maybe before, it's always good to run these in test environments and run things to failure in your test environments during your upgrades, test them, run them to failure, so you know where the boundaries are on things. Now, this means it takes a lot longer to deploy things, but um, it's, it's something to, um, to think about when you're doing uh, these deployments, especially on services that um, are so critical to um, several other core services in your structure. Which leads to the second thing here, service-oriented architectures, or microservice-oriented architectures, they still have dependencies. And a lot of times these dependencies are harder to find uh, because they're not written down. Someone says, hey, uh, there's a great little um, service over there that if I send data to and I get data back, it's going to give me like postage. Or in this case with Kinesis, it's going to filter my logs for me and only give me back um, critical events instead of minutiae events whatever uh, it might be. You've got to understand your dependencies on other services. And if you can, understand um, what your whole service dependency tree um, looks like. So when you do have an outage, that you understand where you can start looking for where the problems are. Another key thing here is when you understand your dependencies, that you make sure that um, you're not completely tightly coupled to that other dependency. You want as loose coupling as possible. For example, um, with CloudWatch, it was sending log files down to Kinesis and then when it got the responses back, it would then purge its buffer from from those um, logs that it was sending. Well, since they never got responses back, their buffer overflowed. That was one of the problems with CloudWatch Um Um, falling over like it did. So, understanding that maybe the service on the other side won't always be there. Uh, You've got to to deal with that as well. So, um, it it requires a lot more defensive programming uh, with your microservices. Remember, you cannot rely on the underlying services that you're calling, that they're going to respond quickly, that they're going to respond at all, and that you still need to stay up because other people may depend on you. Um, If these services were written more that way, then um, it wouldn't have a cascading effect like it did, for example. Another thing to watch out for is to watch out for circular dependencies between services. I have seen this happen before in um, even some of my own programming where I've got a chain of maybe four or five different uh, microservices that are all dependent on each other, and um, one hiccups and everything comes to a screeching halt, or everything starts spinning really quickly, uh, consuming resources and doing nothing. Seen that, right? And like um, we kind of mentioned uh, already, don't assume that your service that you're, connect- that you're dependent on, that you will always have connectivity. You've got to write your um, programs, your microservices, in such a way that they can run in a degradated um, fashion where I can't communicate to all the services that I have, but that they can still at least say, I am not working. This was some of the problems that we had um, with this outage was we didn't even know. As a consumer, we weren't given information because the dashboards weren't, were, were running green even though uh, we weren't getting uh, any uh, new information. So keep that in mind when you're developing your uh, your microservices. Now, there were several companies affected by this outage. And um, there are several companies, uh, mostly all on the East Coast, including some companies that are owned by Amazon themselves. Um, uh, Companies like Adobe Spark, Acorns, um the the washington post uh the tampa bay times Vonage, um rss roku there were lots of different um companies that were affected some companies uh flew right through this outage pretty much unscathed while others had a harder time recuperating um when when i went back and i looked at um these companies I read some of their blogs and did some research with them, made some phone calls. Um, I found out the ones that that were able to adjust quickly already had a multi-hybrid cloud strategy. Uh, Knowing that, hey, if something happens, I can still keep my operation up and running because I have another cloud that I can use as a backup. Now, some of them use just a different region of AWS, while others used Google or Azure um, as as their backups, and then some even said, "I I just ran it back in my own data center, um, like my external website, or I ran on my external website." We are currently experiencing problems, so at least they weren't like the, you know, four oh four can't you know not accessible. <laughs> that would be that would be really bad. Um, also, the companies that um, did really well, that were hardly saw any impact at all, were not using some of those specialized services that Amazon was providing that were affected, like uh, EKS and ECS, which are their container, their managed container offerings, and Lambda. Those were hit pretty hard and were down for a substantial amount of time. So those that weren't using the specialized ones, maybe they were using containers or they were using a fast offering, but they were they were running it on infrastructure instead of having it hosted. Did did a lot better. Now, another thing that impacted a lot was the auto scaling policies weren't working properly for some time. Uh, so any company that um had a lot of traffic during that time, um, they their autoscaling policies weren't working properly. So they had to, you know, roll up their sleeves once they found out what was really going on go up their sleeves and scale up um, services annually. Um, now, you would say nor- normally during a normal week, that might not be an issue. This was the day before Thanksgiving. Everyone was traveling or everyone was buying online, especially this year with, this, with the pandemic, a lot of people staying home. So a lot of people were doing a lot of shopping. Even my wife's own little shop on Etsy Etsy sales were down that day dramatically. We thought, oh, what's going on um, with their shop? Now we know. Um, Etsy stayed up, but they weren't scaling as much as they normally could. Um, so there were, there were some um, decreased sales that day uh, because of this as well. Another important thing that I thought was really interesting, some of the companies knew and actually contacted AWS that there's outages. Um, those companies had their own external monitoring. They weren't just relying on AWS's um, uh, health dashboard by itself, but they actually had their own monitoring that were running on their own servers that were monitoring services in AWS to make sure that they were up and running. Uh, They knew before most other people knew that just relied on the dashboard. So this, Concept of external monitoring of your cloud resources and services um, saved some of these companies. It it was very valuable to them. It would be akin to like um, having the fox in the hen house, uh, you know, watching the hens. You need to take ownership of um, your cloud resources, much like what you would do with any other utility that you're starting to use. In fact, I had uh, one of my coworkers ask me, you know, what did we really learn from this? And I said, what we really learned from this was that utilities like electricity or telco or cloud are utilities and we need to use the same best practices that we've been using for decades around like electricity. If I have a data center or maybe I don't even have a data center, I just have my office working. If I want business continuity, then I have a power generator. I even have one in my house, right? Where if the power goes off with cheer in California, it goes off often, right? Um, then I have a power generator to for my critical systems. So why wouldn't you do the same thing for your critical systems cloud? Have a backup. Uh, so if the cloud does go down, because we have learned it goes down, And AWS is just one of the cloud service providers. All the cloud service providers have at some point in time in their past, had some kind of outages, something like this happen. You wanna make sure it doesn't affect you. Having a backup, whether it's with another cloud service provider in your own data center, if you're using cloud as your primary, then you need a backup. Just like I have a generator for the electricity at my building, right? Or if I put it in a data center, I don't go with one telco, I always go with two telcos. Everyone knows that, right? So you wanna do the same thing with your cloud service offering. Two clouds, um, making sure that you're abstracted away from specialized services, Um, use them where you can, but also give yourself a backup in case you still need to operate. Maybe you're not operating at full capacity, that's okay. At least you're operating. So those are kind of the best, Best things that uh, we learned out of this outage and talking to some of these companies on you know, how it affected them. Some had affected greatly for a whole day right before Thanksgiving. Um, others, it was an easy switch over. Um, not too bad. Um, not dramatically impacted like some of these. Now, there are lots of um, information already out there, including Amazon's own Um, Service Logs, it's an interesting read, it's highly technical, Um, it did cause me to research. I didn't know some of these services they were talking about, caused me to research some a little bit and understand the dependencies between those. And then there's some other um, great articles out there on ZDNet, The Verge, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post all have some articles on there. You can find those out on our blog. Uh, where um, all the the links and the research uh, came in together. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.